Parkview Church, blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to be opening God's Word with you. My name is Wade. I am the pastor for Next Generation Discipleship. I help the little ones up till about 21 uh, know Christ uh, and glorify Him by making disciples of Christ. And so it's a joy to be here. I know I don't, I'm not here very often, but the times I'm here it just fills me with such joy. So let's remember the series we're in, Ten Commandments, Words to Live By. Right, And it's not words to be saved by. We have to understand the gospel dance in Scripture. The gospel dance involves two steps. Okay, We are rescued by grace, and then we obey in love. Rescued by grace and obey in love. I forgot to announce, kids can go to kids' church if they want. Great, okay. That's the, gospel, the, the, the two-step part of the gospel dance. Rescued by grace, and we obey in love. We're rescued by what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, Jesus lived the Ten Commandments in a way we never could because of our sin. He died the guilty death that we deserve because of our disobedience. Jesus took that upon himself instead of us. And then, rising from death, ascending into heaven, sending forth the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, Christ with us, lives within us to help us obey God from the heart. In fact, John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So we are rescued by the grace of God in right relationship with him. Therefore, in that relationship of love, we are called to obey. And one of the things that I've noticed and I've just really loved about the Ten Commandments is you can kind of think of each commandment as sort of like a pair of binoculars in which you kind of pick them up and you can look through them into a positive vision of what God is calling his people to be and to do. And, you know, two weeks ago, I guess, right, was, you know, you shall not murder, right? If you kind of pick, you shall not murder up and kind of look through it, we see a positive vision of the God who creates life, who cherishes life, who cultivates life, and therefore, we as his people ought to do the same, cherishing, loving, cultivating life. And today we are looking at the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal, you shall not steal. And what we're going to do as we look through it, we see that's, yes, the negative command. But the flip side of it, the positive vision is this. God is the God of generosity. He has given himself to us and all of the many blessings that he's given to us. Therefore, and this is who our God is, we are called to be people of generosity, be stewards who use and enjoy his gifts in a way that bring honor to him and benefit to our neighbor. That is what... The Eighth Commandment calls every single one of us to live according to and respond to the grace of Jesus. And so as we meditate on God's law, as it says in Psalm 1, right, the true blessed life, the truly happy life is one in which we meditate on God's law. Uh, so let's pray that the Lord would teach us through this time of meditation on His law together. Father, I pray that by your Holy Spirit's power, you would teach us, Lord, inform our hearts, instruct our minds, Lord. Lord, bend our wills to you in obedience and love. Father, we pray that you would help us obey all that you command, learn all that you teach, and love all that you love. Lord, I pray for the help of the Holy Spirit's power to exalt Jesus from this commandment into all of our hearts, that we would walk away from time together this morning, loving Jesus more and more eager to obey him. And so help me come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, Lord. You know that's my heart. For these people. Help me come as a servant to your word. Lord, secondly, I pray I come as a servant to these people, Lord, not shrinking back from anything, but declaring to them everything that would benefit them in Christ. 
And Lord, I pray that you would use your word to fulfill all of your purposes in us here at North Campus. Lord, I pray for Thomas as he's preaching at Central and East. Use the word proclaimed there to build up your church, Lord, and just equip us for what we need to obey you, to love you, and to make Christ known here in this place. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm a thief. I'm a thief. Let me tell you the story why. I guess there's maybe many stories, but I was eight years old. I'm living in Phoenix, Arizona. That's where I was born and raised. And my cousins are visiting from Denver, Colorado. And these cousins would come. I always feel like I would always get in funny business with them, okay? And so it's the middle of summer, about 115, 117, 119. And what was I doing? As every sane person in Phoenix, Arizona, I was indoors, okay? I was indoors in my local grocery store. And in my local grocery store, it was one of, they don't do this anymore, I don't think, or maybe they do, but it was probably because of me they don't do this anymore. But they had the containers filled with like 17,000 different type of gummy candies, you know, with like a uh, like thousand pound sugar just dumped on them. For a little boy like me, just awesome, okay? Well, I always loved getting, you know, a bag full of candy, right, and then paying for it. Well, this time, I watched as my uncle from Denver walk by the container, grab a few candies, pop them in his mouth, and just keep walking. And I thought, okay, that's how this worked? Great. And so, you know, I went and I popped one in my mouth, and I, I actually knew, I was like, that's actually probably not what I should be doing. And I came back a little while later, two more. Came back a little while later, three or four more. You know, I was just, I was having a blast with my cousins, of course. But inside my heart, I knew something's off here. I probably should not be doing this. Well, I definitely should not have been doing this. And sure enough, later that day, I felt awful. Not because of the candy, it was delicious and amazing. I felt awful because I realized my foolishness. I had totally stolen that candy. I was a thief. Okay, well, later that day, my, I told, I, I had confessed to my parents. I said, oh, man, it was so bad. I just remember thinking, my mom and dad are going to be so disappointed in me. So I just said, I'm so sorry. So I did. So we drove back to the grocery store, and I think I paid them like $2 or $3 from my piggy bank to pay for the, uh, pay for the candy. But, you know, this is a minor story. It's a little bit funny because I'm a little boy. But the thing is, is we are all thieves. We all steal in different ways in our hearts, in our everything of our time, how we use our time, you think of our talents, the gifts that God has given us, think of our treasure, how we use our money. We're all thieves in different forms. Maybe it's not terrible sin that would kind of make its way on the news screen at night or on YouTube or whatever, but there are different ways, little ways and big ways, we all steal. The Eighth Commandment is showing us a better way. Okay, so I want to look at this in three parts. I was helped by theologian Ray Orland uh, to kind of help focus this outline. Okay, there's three parts of Commandment 8 I want us to look at. Okay, first is Revelation, and you have it there. I have a little printout. Sorry, the blue highlighter looks different on my screen than it does printed out. It's a little bit darker. But first is Revelation, second is Confrontation, and third is Transformation. And then we'll conclude our time with just thinking about how this ought to shape us practically as we follow Christ. Okay, Revelation, who God is, confrontation, our sin, transformation, how Christ changes us and gives us strength to obey. So first, Revelation. Okay, According to the Bible, God's law is his instruction to his people. Okay, It is an inscription, a writing into the world of his character, of who he is. So uh, what does the Eighth Commandment show us? Okay, if it says, you shall not steal, what does this reveal to us about God? Well, think about what's happening 
as I'm at that candy, or I'm at the grocery store, stealing candy, what, what's really happening in that moment? Well, very simply, what I'm doing is I'm grasping onto something that is not mine, and then using it for self-benefit, okay? Self-grasping for self-benefit. That is really the heart of what it means to steal. So if we just flip that image, we see an aspect of God's character, of his generosity. And his generosity is God's goodness and self-giving for the good of others. That's God's generosity, self-giving for the good of others. That's the God revealed to us in the whole of Bible, a God lavish and abundant and self-giving in fullness of life and joy and gifts that he provides for us. I mean, just think about the Garden of Eden. What do we see in the very first several chapters of Scripture? We see a God fizzing so full of life, of abundance, and he creates a world of breathtaking beauty and wonder and provision for every single one of our needs. And what does this God do? He creates humans in his image to enjoy his generosity and to be stewards, to be faithful you know, receivers and then givers of these resources that God has given, self-giving for others' good. And yet, let's go a little deeper. What kind of God can overflow with this type of generosity, of self-giving for the sake of others? Well, only a triune God, only a God whose Father, Son, and Spirit can truly love. If you have a single person God, he cannot love. But a God whose Father, Son, and Spirit, who's always and forever been generously loving one another since before eternity past and into eternity future, that is the God who is generous. Second Corinthians 9, 7, we might have all heard this a gazillion times from churches, you know, in, you know when it's time to give, right? Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, we must, give, we must not give reluctantly, but from the heart, from the heart, for God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever wondered why God loves cheerful givers? We could say many reasons, but I think the core reason is because this is who he is. God is the cheerful giver. If you just, I've been reflecting recently on John 13 to 17. Many of us probably know that portion of scripture. It's kind of the Jesus' last teaching of his disciples before going to the cross. And we hear Jesus praying. And in his prayer, we see that the Father gives glory to the Son. The Son is cheerfully giving glory to the Father. The Holy Spirit is giving glory to the Son. The Father, Son, and Spirit cheerfully giving glory. What God is, who God is, as triune God, is a cheerful giver. He is overflowing in abundant goodness and praise and love and resources. 17th century pastor Richard Sibbs says it like this. The quote is on your page. If God had not a spreading goodness, a generosity... He would never have created the world. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were happy in themselves and enjoyed one another before the world was. Apart from the fact that God delights to communicate and spread his goodness, God delights in being a generous God, there would never have been a creation or redemption. You see, the Eighth Commandment is showing us, as we kind of put on the binoculars, we look out into this beautiful vision of who God is as a God of self-giving generosity and abundance. And we are made in his image, therefore called by him to be generous, self-giving people for the good of others. That is who we are called. Stewardship is the biblical language. 
And all that stewardship is is basically a faithful enjoying and using of God's resources to display His goodness and to give help to others. And yet, it's at this very point that we are confronted in our second point, our confrontation with this teaching, with this law, that you and I do not live in a generous world. And you and I do not always have generous hearts. We are far away from the garden of generosity in Eden. As humans, we might say we stink at stewardship. We stink. We've moved from stewards to stealers, and there's way too much self-grasping for self-benefit that happens in our lives. Just think about several different ways that we steal, several different ways that we often disobey the Eighth Commandment, okay? The rest of the sermon, I'm going to think of the Eighth Commandment giving us three categories of what, how we should be stewards, okay? And you've probably heard these before. Time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. How have we often disobeyed and disregarded the wisdom and goodness of the Eighth Commandment? First, time. Simple question is this. When are you most tempted to use your time in frivolous ways? Okay, now there's all these different caveats and sub, you know, sub notes and footnotes that we could say, you know, there's goodness in using time to enjoy a TV show as you're resting and things like that. But, but ask yourself seriously, when are you most tempted to use your time in frivolous ways, okay? We could steal at work when we lazily go about our job for which we're getting paid, but instead we're surfing Facebook or we're on Instagram or we're spending too much time on social media or maybe for some of you it's computer games or phone games or whatever it is where you distract yourself from being a faithful worker to the Lord and using time that should be used for company and for advancing the goodness of the company that you work for and using it for your own benefit. I do that. We all do that. We steal at home when we refuse to help with chores. Mom and dad say, please help with this. But instead of doing the chores, we maybe play more video games. Or if it's different things in the household, maybe we keep watching more another show than Netflix. When probably one show is enough, and then we should stop and then go mow the lawn. But instead, we don't. And then later on, we get in a fight with our spouse about it. We have different ways that we refuse to obey the Lord as stewards of how we ought to be using our time. Okay, think of talent. How are you refusing to use your gifts that God has given you to help and serve others? We steal at church. Get this, Parkview Church. We can steal at church. We can be thieves at church. We disobey the Eighth Commandment. When we come week after week to consume spiritual goods without ever turning around and seeking to help serve and build up the church. Examine your life if there is a consistent pattern of you coming to church and only receiving and only taking the wisdom of God's counsel from his word and only receiving from your friends and all the things that the church offers to serve and bless you, which we joyfully do. But if your only pattern is just receiving, and there's never a consistent pattern of turning around, how can I serve and bless and help? How can I use the gifts God has given you by His Holy Spirit to bless this church? You are most likely stealing and disobeying the Eighth Commandment. Okay, think of your treasure. This probably hits close to home for all of us in different ways. How is it in your use of money, how are you not aligning with Christ's priorities? Now again, there's... A ton of footnotes we can have here. Money is a wonderful gift from God. 
and it can be used to enjoy many things, but we are also called by the Lord to be faithful stewards of the money he's given to us for the sake of his kingdom and upbuilding the church. Some of us here maybe have actually stolen money, maybe through fraudulent investments or unethical tax practices. We steal whenever we refuse to give generously to the church or to God's work in the world. We steal when we succumb to the Amazon culture of our current age in which we create an identity for ourselves by what we consume, by what we purchase. We are what we purchase is what our uh, advertisers are saying. That's why... The traders are shutting off and muting TV ads, right? <laughs> because the TV ads and the, Net- and the, the Netflix commercial, I guess no Netflix commercial, but the YouTube commercials, you know what I'm saying. The story basically is to be happy is to consume more products. And if you have this certain product, you can be seen and approved by others. It is a form of stealing, of disobeying the Eighth Commandment. Again, we could come back next week with another 15 examples, the week after that for another 23 examples. The list could go on and on. But think of yourself and examine your life, and I wonder if right now the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, is bringing conviction to your heart as you think about how you use your time, how God has called you to use the talents and gifts that He's given you, and how you are stewarding your money, your treasure. Where are you forsaking the wisdom and goodness of the Lord in the Eighth Commandment? You see, we are all thieves. We are called to a generosity to follow the likeness of our great God and Creator who has bountifully given to us what we need. And yet we so often defy God in a form of selfish stealing, self-grasping for self-benefit. So we've seen God's revelation of who he is. We've been confronted with our, the reality of how weak and sinful we so often are. Our sin is exposed. And so what we all need is transformation. We all need transformation. We need Jesus to get up underneath the dirt in our hearts and create new patterns of love and worship and service to the neighbor in response to the Eighth Commandment. And that's what we have in the Gospel of Christ. Did you know that Jesus Christ is the generous God who has come into the world he has made to rescue selfish thieves. I mean, just, can we just pause for a moment and just wonder and be thrilled at how great Jesus is? You ever notice as you read the Gospels, Jesus is constantly overflowing with help and life. Jesus gives and gives and gives and gives. It is the thing that almost stands out most about him as you read the Gospels, healing the hurt, touching the sick, forgiving the sinner. In fact, one of Jesus' most famous first century followers, one of the apostles, Paul of Tarsus, he quotes Jesus in Acts 20, and Paul's talking to a church, and he says, remember what our Lord Jesus taught us, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's almost a summary statement of Jesus' motto. If you look at the life of Jesus in the gospel, he is the blessed one who gives and gives and gives. It's more blessed to give than to receive. We might say it this. The heart of Jesus' ministry is that he is the great steward. He's the grand steward. He is the steward that we all should have been and should be but cannot because of the way sin has perverted and damaged our Hearts, And yet, just think for a moment about Jesus. Who, if you ever thought about this, who is right next to Jesus as he's being crucified on a cross? 
Two thieves. Two men that have stolen. Two people who decided that life was about self-grasping for self-benefit instead of living God's way of generous stewardship. Two men crucified thieves. And yet, right in the middle of them, what is Jesus doing there? What are you doing there, Jesus? At the place of theft and stealing and crucifixion. Well, here's what he's doing. He's showing a world that has been bent and broken and forsaken the Eighth Commandment. That the heart of God is so generous that it overflows with love, yes, even to those who have selfishly stolen God's glory in their sin and who have robbed their neighbors of goodness by refusing to serve out of self-giving love. Parkview, this is the paradox of the gospel of generosity. In Christ Jesus, the God who is the wealthiest and most abundant Lord of all, he gives himself willingly to be crucified for selfish stealers like you and me. That's the gospel of Christ, and that is the gospel that must plunge deep into our hearts if you and I are to gain any traction in moving forward into thinking about our time and our talent and our treasure as not fundamentally belonging to us or just a little smidgen of it belongs to God, the rest of it belongs to it. That way of thinking needs to be crucified at the cross of Jesus Christ. And we need to be raised to newness of life in which we follow our generous God. In American economy, right, one of the things that we love, we love a good BOGO, buy one, get one free. In the economy of Jesus, it's a go-go. God gives one for free, then he gives another one for free, then he keeps giving for free. Our God is a lavish, generous giver. He just loves giving. And therefore, we should be those type of people. Go-go people, okay? Now, let me speak to you real quick. If you're here, maybe you came with a friend, or you're just exploring church for the first time, and you want to claim to be a follower of Christ. The offer to you is very simply this. Jesus Christ offers all of himself to you generously for all of your sin and all of your need and all of your shame. And the offer that he calls you to is this, is that you would take your sin and give it to Jesus and receive from him his lavish forgiveness and love. That is what he calls you to today. That's the application to your life, is that you would receive the generosity of the love of Jesus Christ and walk out of here with a new life, living for God. For the rest of us that do claim Christ, let's think through, in light of who Christ is and what we've just seen uh, from the Eighth Commandment, the lavish generosity of Jesus Christ, let's, let's think through how we might become a generous people, generous stewards, okay? So let's now go through those three T's again, and let's think through how, through Christ, we are motivated to a new way of obeying God, okay? First, stewarding time, okay? Our generous God, he's given you time, okay? Jesus Christ died for your Google Calendar. Did you know that? Your Google Calendar does not fundamentally belong to you. All the stuff I've, I've Google, I just what I use, I don't know, some of others of you use different things. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Your to-do list, your task list, whatever it is for your calendar that kind of keeps track of your time, or some of you are living in the chaos of not having that. <laughs> um, whatever it is for you, remember that your, your time belongs to Jesus. And, and think about, again, it comes back to Jesus. Think about who Jesus is. Is he not the person who again and again and again is using his time 
to bless others, to help others, to get busy in the lives of other people, helping them, knowing the kingdom, knowing the word of God. That is what we must do. And so if you're at work, okay, think about your time. Fundamentally, it's not corporate time. Okay, we clock and clock in. It's, it's ultimately time that belongs to the Lord. And so your work is a blessing to the wider community. And so work hard in glory to God and for the good of your neighbor by when you're on the clock, don't go on Instagram or Facebook, but remember the Lord's giving you this job. He has generously provided, no matter how boring you think your job is, you honor the Lord Jesus because you are a Christian. And you live for the Lord Jesus in your workplace because it matters to him. So don't procrastinate. That's a big one for me. Procrastination, wow. And so let's not procrastinate. Let's trust the Lord and then move forward in hard work and trust the results to him in our workplace. At home, okay? I know Netflix, Disney Plus, super fun, okay? But you can waste a lot of time, okay? So especially if you have spiritual responsibility for little children and their growth in Jesus, Watching a bunch of TV can be fun, but there are better ways to use time together as a family. So strategically think as mother and father, and I already know, as I'm saying this, I'm like, there's so many families here that pop into mind that you guys are already doing this, so you know who you are, just keep doing it. Um, but how can you use your time as a family? Think of a week as a family. How might you section off kind of sacred times, we might say where you're either thinking about a passage of the Bible together, talking about it, whatever it looks like. Think of your time, again, as belonging to the Lord, and how can you maximize it for others? Okay? Leaders, okay? there's lots of spiritual leaders at Parkview North, lots and lots of Parkview uh, leaders here. Okay? You can use your time throughout the week. Okay? Think of it this way. How might you schedule your week to reserve one to two hours every week to help someone in need here in this church, okay? Someone who's struggling spiritually, someone who just go, gone through a really hard time, uh, suffering the loss of a friend, whatever it is, how can you, such a, or, that's growing and helping Christians, if you have a neighbor, how could you think through, what's one hour a week that you could spend getting to know your neighbor better? For me, that meant uh, just going, my neighbor likes going on walks, okay, I'll go for a walk with my neighbor, and just to get to know him, how can we use our time to advance the kingdom of Christ and not only think about ourselves, okay? Recently, a great example of this, by the way, is Karen Christensen. Sadly, um, she passed away a few days ago. And Karen is a marvelous example of someone who, because of who she knew Jesus to be, she just poured her time out to bless this church. Time and time again. She would, I remember having a conversation with her. She was all, always in the kitchen at Parkview Church making food for someone. She'd always say, wait, those college students, can I feed them? When can I feed them? I would love to provide food. I just love helping people. She just loved having her schedule filled with a bunch of time of serving people. And, and that's just a great example for all of us to think through, not to fritter our life. It's so easy, isn't it, in our American culture, to go through a decade to, and just what have I done with my life to fritter our time away? But the Lord Jesus wants to redeem time for his glory. Second, stewarding talent, our talent. Jesus, as our generous Savior, has given each of you gifts. If you have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he has filled you with his Holy Spirit, and he's given you gifts, and he expects you to use them. And so again, where can you find a place of need and serve the Lord? 
Lord, uh, in Luke 12, our Lord says this, right? To whom much is given, much is required. Again, I've said this before, Parkview, North Campus especially, there's just a bunch of gifted people here. There's a lot of gifted people here. Remember, your gifts are gifts, they're not achievements. So don't boast in your giftings. They're given to you for the sake of blessing the church. So how can you get busy helping others grow in Christ? How might the Lord use you here at North? Or maybe... Use your central campus. Central campus needs help right now in different ways. How can you steward your time to bless the whole of Parkview Church? This is one thing I've already seen happen. This is a time for me, by the way, just to encourage people. people. Our elders are magnificent elders. Dave Elliott, Mark Bisnick, Jamie uh, Schrader, Greg Hansen, Eric McDonald. You guys are just wonderful. You guys are serving the church with all your heart. These are men to emulate and to follow because these are men who are using their gifts and bless the church. David and Pat Baird, I hope I said that right. And Andrea Elliott. Andrea Elliott. I think it's Andrea. Is it Andrea? Andrea. Jared Snell. Uh, these also are our deacons, right, who are serving. Okay, there's, there's so many people here who are serving and blessing this church and giving generously of their time and talent. Parkview is in need right now of renewal. We all know that. And he's a church that needs to go through massive growth and health, for sure. Do you know how God grows the church? It's not by a bunch of disengaged consumers criticizing all the different weaknesses of the church. The church will never grow that way. The way the church grows, always and forever, the pattern's very clear in the New Testament, is by God's people getting busy using their gifts to bless and build up the church. And so, yes, there's many things that are probably very wrong with Parkview. And I'm already seeing health and growth in a beautiful direction. But there's so much more to grow. And guess what? The Lord Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, has given you a gift to contribute to that growth and health. It is super fun. And we're all invited in. Okay. Last thing is treasure. Treasure. The Lord has given us finances, yes, to enjoy, for sure, but also to contribute and to steward well, to see his gospel advance in this church and through this church in our local community, and worldwide. Jesus cares about your bank account. He cares about your Google calendar. He cares about your bank account. So remember the gospel paradox, right? Think of 2 Corinthians 8. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul's talking to a church who is struggling to be generous. And it's interesting. He could have said, okay, church, give more money. I command you as the apostle and the authority of God, give money. But what does he do in 2 Corinthians 8? Paul reminds them of the gospel of Christ. He says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. It's the gospel paradox of God's generosity. The amazingly wealthy, beautiful Jesus Becoming poor for our sake, so that we might by his poverty become rich, rich spiritually, our sins forgiven, having the Holy Spirit indwell us. Why? So that we might learn that our money fundamentally does not belong to us, but that it belongs to our Lord. Part of you right now, financially, we are struggling. It is true. But here's the adventure the Lord Jesus calls each of us into is that we can, as we look at Jesus, and more and more Jesus fills our hearts. We can become the type of people that become generous with our money. So how is the Lord calling you 
to be generous for his glory, okay? Remember who God is. Remember how he's shown himself in Jesus, the generous self-giving for others' benefit. And as we know this Jesus, it transforms how we think of our time, how we think of our talent, how we steward our treasure, all for his glory. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much for the riches that you've lavished upon us through the poverty of Christ. We see the generosity of Jesus crucified among thieves. I pray that this gospel becomes clear in our hearts more and more as a community. Holy Spirit, make these truths real to us, plant them deep in our hearts, and produce fruit for your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.